0: Um, I'm going to invite you to be seated for the Gospel reading, because it's very long, and this is a place of grace. Um, The Holy Gospel according to John, glory to you, O Lord. So this is a long reading, but it's one of the great stories of the Bible, the raising of Lazarus. So it's long, but sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing story from the Gospel of John. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he said to the then after this, he said to the disciples, "'Let us go to Judea again.' The disciples said to him, "'Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, "'and are you going there again?' But they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been, already been in the tomb four days Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Mortal, can these bones live? This is the question that God puts to Ezekiel in our first reading for today as he stands in the middle of a vast valley of dry bones. And it's the question I asked myself some nine years ago in the summer of 2008 when my father had a stroke, or more accurately, a series of strokes. He had been at a work meeting and just collapsed on the table, and they rushed him to one hospital and then to another, and to another. Finally, when I got the word and flew down to Florida to see him, he had been admitted to a long-term rehabilitation facility. And the first night when I got there, he looked so weak and so pale as he slept. In the days to come, we'd learn the extent of the stroke. I'd sit with him in his cognitive therapy where he couldn't remember basic information about his own life. I had to answer the questions for him. He could only walk with the aid of a walker and two people to help lift and steady him as he put one foot in front of the other. He couldn't even do simple children's puzzles that my own kids could do. And during the breaks in in his rehab as he rested, I would go outside and cry. And I'd ask myself, dear God, can these bones live Can the mind that was so sharp and so creative and so funny find itself again? Can the bones and muscles and joints of the body that once carried me regain their functioning and once again move together? What can be regained of his body and mind? Who is he now and who are we together? What can be saved and what is lost? Sitting there outside at the picnic table just off the parking lot, In that hot Florida summer, as the heat and humidity bore down on me and the bugs chirped away in the trees, I asked myself and asked God, and I prayed, can these bones live again? Perhaps you've had a moment or moments like that in your life too, when you've looked at your life and asked that same question at the bedside of a dying spouse or friend or as disease steals the vitality of your body or somebody you love, as age takes its toll, when you are trying to find yourself again through the fog of depression, recovering from a broken relationship, wondering how and if all the dots of your life will finally connect, you look at yourself or your loved ones, your friends or the world, and you ask, can these bones live To better understand this question, it's helpful to know some of the history behind it. Ezekiel, to whom this question was posed, was a prophet who lived around 2,600 years ago at a time when Israel was failing and its religious institutions were faltering. And Ezekiel was among those prophets who were trying to call the people and the priests back to repentance and renewed obedience to God. But it didn't happen. And then the neighboring Empire, the Babylonian Empire, attacked and they laid siege to Jerusalem for two years. And during that time, there was famine and disease and deep despair. Residents of the city were tortured and eventually the city and the temple were destroyed and many of its people were sent into exile, including Ezekiel and his wife. They were sent to Babylon to work in service of the empire. And it was while in exile in Babylon that Ezekiel's own wife died. It was a devastating time for Israel and for Ezekiel himself. A young man, perhaps around 30 years old, once destined for the priesthood, who was then thrown into the role of a prophet and then thrown into exile, losing his wife and his home and his temple, the epicenter of his faith. And so all these bones at his feet Are all the people of Israel who had died in this time? These bones before him were his people. These bones were his life laid bare before him. And I imagine how heartbreaking it must have been to stand there with bones strewn around his feet, surrounded by so much death, seeing the totality of everything that had happened to him at this time, and knowing that his wife was there too. I imagine him close to tears, as God asks him, can these bones live? And Ezekiel has seen way too much pain and suffering in life to give a quick, oh yes, even if it was God who was asking. After all he had been through, he probably couldn't even allow himself to hope or to believe that it could happen. And so he says, oh Lord God, you know. This scene to me is like, One of those moments in your life when you look back at your life and you say, oh my God, how did I get here? This is not what I expected or what I intended or what I wanted. How did life become such a mess? What has the world come to? And we wonder to ourselves, can these bones live again? Though we don't dare actually to believe that it could happen to us. As Ezekiel stands in this valley of dry bones, in our gospel reading, Jesus stands outside the tomb of his dear friend Lazarus. Days earlier, he had received word that Lazarus was sick and dying, but for the sake of his mission, Jesus delays. And when he finally arrives in Bethany, he's confronted by Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, who say to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even for Jesus That would be so hard to take. Seeing their tears and pain, Jesus is greatly disturbed and deeply moved, and so Jesus, too, begins to weep. He weeps for them, for the village, for Lazarus, and for himself. For Lazarus was not just another person that Jesus encountered in his ministry. Lazarus was a good friend. In fact, in the entirety of John's Gospel, it says that Jesus only loved four people the beloved disciple who is probably the gospel writer, John, and then Mary and Martha and Lazarus. These were Jesus' intimate friends who, when you think about it, you know, even though Jesus healed and blessed and taught so many people, he probably didn't have that many true friends. Either some, you know, somebody always wanted something from him or some people wanted to kill him. or Like the disciples, people were kind of like students that needed to be taught and kept in line though often surrounded by crowds, I think Jesus often lived a very solitary kind of life. But Martha and Mary and Lazarus and the beloved disciple were it. They were Jesus' refuge. And now Lazarus had just died and his sisters were devastated. And Jesus stands outside of his friend's tomb and he weeps. And we know these tears, for we have cried them too for loved ones, for friends, for the lost, for the poor, for ourselves, for the world. We know the heartbreak that washes over Jesus outside of Lazarus's tomb, the heartbreak that Ezekiel felt looking out over all those dry bones. We know it when we look at our world. We know it when we ponder our lives. We know that place. We know this moment. We know that question. And we, along with Ezekiel and Mary and Martha, wonder, can these bones live again? Can I live again? And do we dare hope that it could be true? Even when Jesus asked Mary and Martha if they believed Lazarus could be raised, they said, yes, at the end of time, at the resurrection of the dead. They couldn't imagine or hope or hope to imagine that it could happen right then and there, right before their very eyes this, I think, is the question that is posed to us in one way or another every year on this particular Sunday, the fifth Sunday of Lent, the final Sunday before we enter into Holy Week, which begins next week with Palm Sunday. We stand in the Valley of Dry Bones. We stand outside the tomb. We'll stand in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus prays at the foot of the cross as he's crucified, outside the tomb where they lay Jesus' own body, And we'll ask again, can these bones live? Can God do something new here? Can God do something new in me? Can God do something new in the world where there always seems to be so much more death than life? Can God redeem the suffering that we see and experience all around us? Can we live again? Is resurrection real? And then God tells Ezekiel, to prophesy to these bones. God says, tell them that I will cause breath to enter them and they shall live, that I will cause flesh to come upon them and cover them. And Ezekiel does. And at first, there's just silence. And then the faint rattling of bones growing into a roar of resurrection as these once dry bones, these devastated people, come whole, are raised And somewhere in the midst, in that vast multitude, standing on their feet, is Ezekiel's own wife. The four winds blow and fill them with breath as God first filled Adam with breath at creation. And then God promises to Ezekiel and to all the exiled, I am going to open your graves and restore you to the land. Put my spirit in you and you shall live. In Bethany, through the tears rolling over his cheeks, Jesus shouts into Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus, come out. And four days after he died, Lazarus walks out of the tomb, smelling of death, wrapped in burial cloths, and Jesus tells those cloths, those bands of death, to unbind him and let him go. In this way, a valley of dry bones becomes a people restored. In this way, a dead man lives again. In this way, my Father's memories and body came back to Him. In this way, even staring death in the face, we hold fast to life. And as the scriptures say, even at the grave, we make our song. Today we stand on the eve of the most sacred time in the church year. Next Sunday we'll journey with Jesus from His triumphal entry into Jerusalem to His Last Supper, His Passion, His Crucifixion, His Death and Resurrection and Jesus will be raised from the dead, and the answer to that question, can these bones live, will be answered once and for all. And the answer is yes. And because Jesus is raised from the dead, the dry bones of our lives will again take life. Our mourning will be transformed into hope, our death into resurrection, our suffering gathered and healed in the very heart of God. And we will see and we will know that, yes, this is our God, a God of resurrection, and that, yes, these bones can live. Amen.